Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Jens Nelson and with me as always is the great... Lucas Stock. I don't know about that. (laughs) You tricked me. (laughs) I gotcha. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we explore, discuss, and grow as followers of Christ. So on today's Christians of History episode, uh, we have another um, figure from Christian history, yet one who is well, as we're going to come to find out, very unknown, uh, as you'll explain. But um, yeah, yeah. without any further ado, would you like to introduce our Christian of history? Yeah, so um, today we're going to be talking about Julian of Norwich. Norwich? Norwich? I'm not I think English. it's Sandwich. I now that. I'm hungry. <laughs> um, so Julian, uh, so first of all, to sort of set the stage for just how little we know about her life. Um, that's not her real name. She was... That's why uh, I said she's unknown. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what her name actually was. Uh, I, I guess it could have been Julian, but we don't really know. So she's referred to as Julian of Norwich because she was um, an anchoress, which um, I'll explain what that what that is in a little bit, at um, St. Julian's Church in Norwich. Um, and... All that we know about her life comes from the book that she wrote, The Revelation of Divine Love, um, or The Showings, as it's also known, which, again, I'll explain more in shortly. Um, so because of that, we only know what she shared as part of her book. So we don't know a lot um, about her um, beyond the very basic stuff that I'm going to share today. Um, so she lived roughly from 1342 to 1416. Um, So we're talking about the medieval era here um, in England, um, or what is now England, I guess. And in 1373 or so, she um, got super sick um, and she expected to die. Um, As she was laying on sort of what she thought was her deathbed, she experienced... um, I think it was 15 and then one more afterwards. So I think 16 uh, visions of Christ where she saw him and and he spoke to her and she was healed of her sickness. So following that, she became, like I said, an anchoress. So anchorites and anchoresses, male and female, they were, um, it was, it was a form of monasticism where you would basically live in a little hut or a little cell that was like attached to a church um and i if i understand correctly the the room would be built like around the person so they wouldn't like they would be in there forever like they'd be kind of sealed up in there and they would like receive food um and and you know the sacraments like through a window in the church and there would be a window outside where people could come and talk to them and donate to them and so i i don't know exactly how how it works but she you know i i don't know if it was it was because she was miraculously healed or or what but she became an anchoress um at St. Julian's Church of Norwich um and we basically only know that about her because it's mentioned in her book um so she became really well known while she was uh living as a recluse at the church um as as someone who people could come to for counsel um spiritual advice counseling um people would come to visit her to to you know 
talk with her. Um, and she has also, since her death, especially in more recent um, decades, become uh, more well-known and more popular for um, her book, The Revelation of Divine Love, um, which is basically a recounting of her visions along with meditations on it. So she wrote a shorter version and then like 20 years later, a longer version. Um, and I believe the the longer version is what people is what I don't know if we we have surviving copies of the short version or if we only have the longer version, but um, the longer version is basically the visions along with more years of meditations and reflection that she had on the visions, if that makes sense. Um, so this book, uh, The Showings or The Revelation of Divine Love, is the oldest surviving English book written by a woman, um, which is kind of cool. And it depicts, like I said, her visions along with reflection and meditation um, on those visions and sort of the meaning of those visions. Um, so full disclosure, I have not read The Revelation of Divine Love. I am interested in reading it now that I've did a little bit of research on her. Um, so I, I don't know a lot of the details of her visions. Um, I don't know, you know, a, a specific vision she had. But um, what I do know is in The Revelation of Divine Love, um, she talks a lot about... Um, the the love of God and there there are some ideas that she sort of elaborates on um, the love that she felt and she experienced and she heard Jesus share with her she she talks about what I find really interesting um, she talks about Jesus as mother and um, sort of parallel with the fatherhood of God the Father we have the motherhood of God the Son <laughs> I guess um, <laughs> and uh, and she seems to, it seems like she kind of pushes that a little bit further than sort of the metaphor that people would typically, especially at the time, be comfortable with in terms of like, we see, you know, God, you know, covering Israel like a hen covers her chicks. Like, so we see motherly language being applied to God in scripture and in, in you know, theological thought and, and other Christian writers and thinkers, but it seems like she kind of pushes that a little bit further, to, you know, past a metaphor into where she's actually saying like, Jesus is our heavenly mother kind of thing, um, which is certainly interesting. Um, and she also talked about how there's, there's no wrath in God. The wrath is in man and that God is basically sort of his love is like overcoming our, our wrath, I, I guess is kind of, I think how to put it. So, it's certainly some interesting, some interesting stuff. Just like again, not having read the book, it to, to sort of like hash out, you know, exactly what those things mean. Certainly, some interesting themes that that are um, not necessarily, you know, things we read about every day, <laughs> um, and certainly not spoken of in the exact same way that Julian speaks about it. Um, so I, I think that that's um, reason enough to be interested in in her work, just from a sort of um, theological curiosity perspective. And I don't say that to like diminish her thought, you know, I haven't read the book. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's amazing. Maybe it's terrible. I haven't read it, <laughs> but certainly it's interesting. Um, and another reason I wanted to, to talk about Julian is that, um, she represents a really important figure in like the history of Christian mysticism, like the, in the tradition of 
of mysticism, which really emphasizes these, you know, personal, devotional, spiritual experiences and, and um, it, you know, a personal relationship with God um, that is expressed through prayer and, and sometimes visions and things like that. Um, she's, her book that survives is a, is a pretty significant, you know, uh, piece of that history. Um, if, if someone is interested in Christian mysticism, I think Julian Norwich is, is a big name that's, that's worth sinking your teeth into. Um, and, you know, I think that without knowing very much about her, and even though that there are some elements theologically that some people might have some objections to or might might require a little more refinement or reflection, I, I think that um, we ought to appreciate her contribution to the church as a model of personal piety and spiritually being a servant and a guide to others around her who respected her, um, as well as, like I said, being a, a, a relatively, in English, accessible voice of medieval mysticism, which certainly is 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 interesting and valuable sort of in an academic, like, historical sense, but also, I think, opens some doors to challenge us to expand our own theological, you know, reflections and thoughts um, and in our devotional life beyond sort of the intellectual and the classroom setting that I know, I'll speak for myself, I'm prone to sort of do all my theology in my head, um, which is great and important, um, but not more important than the heart, you know, to sort of speak in, in those in those terms. And I, and I think mysticism as a tradition, you know, reading Christian mystics is one way to sort of expand those horizons a little bit, not saying that everything a mystic wrote is worth believing or agreeing with, just like not everything a church historian wrote is worth believing. You, you know what I mean? Like, but in terms of a, a way of doing, a way of writing and, and talking about God and, and the Christian life, I think that mysticism and specifically Julian of Norwich provides a really interesting, um, a really interesting sort of doorway into it. Um, and, and to sort of finish up, there's this, this quote that comes from the revelation of divine love that I think is very, um, you know, fitting as a way to sort of summarize what she's getting at with her emphasis on divine love and, and, you know, the, the, uh, the healing that she experienced in her own life. Um, she says, and all shall be well and every manner of thing shall be well. Um, so just sort of this, you know, almost eschatological hope of the future that sort of seems to permeate um, her, her focus on, on Christ's healing love that she experienced both personally as well as experienced as a, as, as a central, you know, uh, characteristic of, of her relationship with him. So that's Julian of Norwich, at least what I, um, you know, was able to, to research about her. Um, again, the name of the book is The Revelation of Divine Love. Um, it's fairly accessible. I'm sure we can, you could find it online as well as uh, different published editions. Um, and um, definitely something that I'm looking forward to picking up one day and reading. And I think that if any of you have read it, I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I don't, I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I know literally nothing other than what you've mm -hmm. just said about Julian. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think that's actually really cool um, because the vast majority of us as, as believers, um, you'll never, your name's never going to be known. That's not why we become Christians. We don't become believers just so that we 
get renown and get, you know, a platform or status. But um, obviously there are those who are blessed, uh, you know, in church history and now to be in that sort of position, but that needs to be stewarded really well. And so it's cool to sort of have a figure from church history that we can talk about, yet we don't even know her actual name because that's all of us, the majority of us. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's kind of cool, like, you know, whether or not you find her work or her book helpful, it is kind of cool to be like, here is, like, she's only known for her reflections on her relationship with God. You know, like, she's only known for, like, all we know about her is what her thoughts about her relationship with Jesus was. So it's kind of cool, like you're saying, like, we don't we know. Should all her. be known for that. Maybe not right, as, yeah. like, famously, but that's what at the end of our right, lives. Is yeah. that what you want to be known for, or that you had a million dollars? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think again, that's sort of a, a similar to sort of the way I think about the mystical tradition in his in Christian history to begin with is just that seems to be um, very fitting that a a mystic uh, became known without even her name being known, you know, right. <laughs> like it's just, it's just kind of cool to think about. And, uh, really just makes me that much more interested in, in picking up the book. Um, even if, even if I don't happen to agree with everything in it, I, I think I don't agree with everything in any book I read. So I don't know why that would deter us, you know, from, right. from pursuing it. And I think it is, it is really appropriate that all she wanted to leave behind and all she did leave behind was, her experience and thoughts on the love that she had um, in Jesus. And I think that's just, again, it's just beautiful regardless of whether or not we agree with everything else she had to say. So cool. So yeah, that's Julian of Norwich. All right. Well, thank you, Lucas, for uh, giving us that presentation of of Julian of Norwich. And we thank you listener for uh, taking the time to listen. And uh, maybe again, it's a good reminder that even if you are never known in your life, that you are seen by your heavenly father and loved so we thank you for listening to this episode Uh, if you'd like to connect with us you can hit us up on twitter and instagram at doxology podcast or you can email us at doxology podcast at gmail.com if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter uh, we send out a weekly email sort of going over episodes uh, giving you a um, you know sneak peeks uh, updated information it's also a really good way to um, connect with us if you're not on social media Um, And so hit us up, uh, give us your feedback, uh, send us your questions, um, episode ideas, especially episode ideas for Christians of history. We want to know who you want to know more about um, because, you know, we all we all have or I guess we both have, you know, I'm sure dozens of people that we would want to talk about. But maybe you wouldn't find any of them interesting. So send those (laughs) our way and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So have a great day.